Good morning. Thank you for listening to uh, this week's episode. It's been a it has been a week. Woo! I you know I've been asked a few times in the last year why does this come out on Sundays at eight o'clock? Just out of curiosity, because not a lot of podcasts do come out on Sundays. In fact, not very many at all. And for for one, that's the reason because not a lot of podcasts come out on Sundays. Um, and then people will say, well, there's a reason for that. It's because Sundays are typically days people are home. They're with their families. They may not listen. Okay, I get that. But it's different, at least. And I always realized all the podcasts I listen to come out Monday through Friday. And so I'll get piled up with podcasts. And I spend my weekend kind of catching up on my podcasts. But there's never anything new or fresh. So on those weeks where I am caught up on podcasts, I'll go the whole weekend with nothing, right? And so anyway... But the other reason, the reason it starts at 8 o'clock, despite the fact that I'm a relative early bird, is just in case I want to, or need to for that matter, record an episode morning of. And this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago, but this part, the intro, what you're hearing now, was recorded at 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, July 18th, today or at least the day that this comes out. And I'll tell you why, even though I'm not intending a long intro today, got a lot to do. We have our food safety audit over the next two days, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, It's for a um, sort of a, a general umbrella called GFSI, Global Food Safety Initiative. And we are going for, underneath that umbrella, we're going for a license called Um, or a certification called SQF, which is Safe Quality Food, which is a a sort of a gold standard in food manufacturing. And so it's very intense, a very intense audit over the next couple days. So I'll be basically at work all day today. And, um, you know, it's been wall-to-wall pretty much for a couple of weeks now getting ready for this audit. But that's not the important part. The important part and why I wanted to do it this morning is because last night I had the distinct honor of emceeing the Holy Childhood 75th Anniversary Diamond, 75, Diamond Anniversary at Oak Hill Country Club. And I have had the honor of emceeing, oh, geez, I don't know. If you want to combine everything from, you know, weddings in my early 20s to 13-year-old birthday parties at bowling alleys to elegant galas like last night, I've probably emceed three or three to 500 things in my life at this point. Last night was one of, if not the, and and I have to say, as far as elegant, last night was the, the most elegant gala I have ever had the honor of being a part of, and especially being an MC of. Now, I've had a few galas that were very nice, obviously many that were very, I mean, they're all nice, right? Um, I You know, our big brothers, big sisters... First one, the inaugural in 2019 at the Winter Garden downtown. That was certainly a blast, and that one will always be special to me. But this one last night was extra special. And I'll tell you why. Because Holy Childhood has the mission, and then I'll tell you about the actual gala. But first, the mission is what makes it so, so wonderful. Holy Childhood is a school that was started uh, many, many years ago, 75 years ago, by this group of nuns. And the nuns basically recognized that there was no place for special needs children to get individually tailored educations. Um, And we heard from a family last night that really put that forth. And essentially what it is, is it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you have a child, your child is 
um, has different capabilities, um, developmental disabilities, and you are so ungodly fearful of sending them to public school because public school does not have doesn't have a great answer for that. I don't want to completely throw public school under the bus. They they do what they can to accommodate that, but they don't do what Holy Childhood does. And what Holy Childhood does is they bring kids in and they tailor an education towards those children's strengths. So they'll bring a kid in, the kid will get an education, uh, but on top of that, they'll start to recognize what does this child like? What are they passionate about? What can they do beyond the age of 18? Um, and, and what they'll do is they'll educate them when they're children, and then they're a home for them even as they become adults. And they have several different areas where they can work. And one of my favorites, of course, and one that you've probably heard of is called Special Touch Bakery. And Special Touch Bakery is a uh, an operation. It's a, it's a full-on commercial bakery that makes pies that you see all the time they're they're wholesaled they're retailed they even do some private label um there are very 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 popular local areas that private label their pies meaning that when you buy a pie with that company's name on it you're actually buying a special touch bakery pie and what a beautiful name too special touch right and special touch is staffed by um mostly and i don't know what the exact percent breakdown is but it's staffed mostly by uh people with uh, different abilities and um, they earn a paycheck they have the opportunity to work for a living earn a paycheck be treated with respect and most importantly and I think this is most importantly be important have purpose they work on these pie filling lines and it's a really important thing it's it's a bakery that operates like a commercial bakery it's amazing the opportunity that these people are given and they're they're sort of groomed for that from early on it's you know you get your child into holy childhood and then your child spends all of that time being groomed to survive as an adult using the skills that they have and it, the mission is wonderful and I love it very much and I, they only do their gala once every five years. This is also the group, if you don't know Holy Childhood, that does uh, wine at Center Ice every year. Yeah, which is at Bill Gray's Iceplex, which is a really, uh, that's a foodie event. That's the type of thing where you pay a little bit of money, you go in, there's a bunch of vendors giving little two-bite samples and it's a really fun night. They do that annually, but this gala, they only do once every five years and uh. I was told that I was in the running to be the MC, and um, that a couple of the other people in the running were, uh, you know, some some of the, we'll just say some of the familiar MC faces in town, you know, the Don Alharts of the world, and um, so I just assumed, obviously, I wasn't going to get to do it. I thought, well, that's really, really sweet, because the CEO of Holy Childhood is Donna Didi, whom I uh, look to as a mentor. In fact, I don't know if I've ever revealed this before. But I met with Donna Didi before I officially quit radio just to kind of, you know, kind of put my 
my feelings out there and and see if she thought that I was crazy, right? That I was going to leave this media career and I was going to go into private business and I was going to uh, open this Copac plant because Donna had been in the media and Donna at this point, now she's the CEO of Holy Childhood as a whole um, and Special Touch Bakery is just one of the things that falls under Holy Childhood, but essentially it's a you know it's a food co-packer so she's she's one of the few people out there with a past in media who currently does food co-packing right so um she seemed like the right person to talk to i'm lucky enough to be in rotary with her in fact she was the rotary president the year that i became a rotarian so i feel a special connection to donna and um i asked her for a few minutes of her time and she couldn't have been better she brought me into the holy childhood she closed a door and she said tell me everything and um she was great i mean she was candid with me and it was just wonderful wonderful and i have considered her truly a mentor ever since wish i got to see her more but you know i thought that just the fact that she and uh and and one of her right hand men brian worth who is the one of the the men behind all of the events that they do i just thought that maybe you know it was such an honor that they were even that my name had come up and i thought that um even them telling me my name came up i just figured that by even telling me my name came up that that was the sort of the consolation prize it was like i'm never gonna get an mc job over don alhart that's impossible right so uh or some of the others right so i just thought the fact that they were telling me that i was in the running was that was what they were telling me was hey we thought of you we love you you know so then a couple of months later i get the call where i'm asked to MC it and the first thing i said is well don's busy that night huh <laughs> but no they said no no we yeah the board you know the board talked about it and decided and you know we want uh we want you bud and I was really, really humbled and honored. I mean, this event, to tell you, and then I, I will get into the interview, I swear. This event was, uh, it was at Oak Hill Country Club. And and it, this was this was yesterday. And again, as I, I know podcasts aren't in real time, but I am recording this on Sunday, July 18th, the day it comes out. This was last night. This was at Oak Hill. This was after an entire day of rain, right? Which is crazy how much it rained yesterday. But um, it was black tie optional. It was Oak Hill. First of all, does does most of the work for you because Oak Hill is just this gorgeous setting to begin with, and then the service is bar none. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants out there saying they can't find help. Oak Hill had a lot of help last night, man. <laughs> Oak Hill, Oak Hill had a ton of staff working that event last night. So they're not having trouble finding people. Anyway, um, the appetizers were grilled cheese bites that you dip in like a, it came with like a little tomato soup thing. There was pork tenderloin over toast. Um, there was lobster uh, arancini. There was shrimp, oysters, crab legs. I mean, we're just talking about the appetizers, right? Plus, of course, open bar with high-end liquor. Then you go in, and the actual meal itself was a five-course meal. The chef at Oak Hill is Chris Roth. Chris Roth is one of the best chefs in Rochester, of course. You figure if he's the executive chef at Oak Hill, he better be, right? And Indeed, he was. Um, so the, the five-course meal – hold on a second. I have it here. I'm going to pull it up, and I'm going to actually read to you what the five-course meal was because it was something. The five-course meal was – 
do I have it here? I'm going through the script from last night real quick. Okay, so first course, heirloom tomato salad, burrata cheese, house-made, by the way, pickled spring onion, puffed farro, aged balsamic, all paired with a Bonterra organic rosé, okay? Second course was uh, butter-poached rock shrimp, hand-rolled campanelle pasta, grated fontina cheese, creamy shrimp bisque, paired with oyster bay sauvignon blanc. Next course was... Um, soy glazed sea bass, which by the way, melted in your mouth, celery root puree, roasted mushrooms, toasted hazelnuts paired with decoy Merlot. Um, the main course was your choice of a New York strip steak, also buco or the vegetarian option. And finally the dessert was, and this was really, really cool. So Oak Hill did a dessert. They did a caramel vanilla custard infused cherry, uh, smoked fudge brownie and salted milk chocolate but then special touch bakery gave us a little preview of a new item they're doing cannoli pies infused with bailey's irish cream and those are not yet available to the public so it was like a uh, it was like a sneak peek at a new pie which i thought was really really cool the uh the event was awesome i mean we had some great live auction items but the the last thing that i want to tell you about is the paddle call that ends the evening at these things at these galas the paddle call was uh, unlike anything I've seen, and I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've done a million of these, and I have seen paddle calls do less than well, right? But this was a room full of insanely generous people who made very, very kind donations, and Holy Childhood ended up raising, I think it was four white smart boards for the classrooms, as well as a new filling machine for their pie line at Special Touch Bakery so that they can do more business more efficiently. And by the way, that those things aren't cheap. Um, not to put an exact dollar amount on it, but this was uh, this was a this was a big big night. It was a big night, and I was honored to be a part of it. And so, not that she'll ever hear this, but uh, Donna Dd, thank you, Brian Worth, thank you, Donna. I I wanted to do this last night at the podium, but I didn't get the opportunity. You know, I count you as a mentor. I came to you in a time of need and um, just emotional need, I should say, and you were there for me, and I, uh, I I will never be able to repay you for that, so thank you, Brian, for <laughs> championing me, believing in me, and thinking I could do that gig last night. I don't know what you were thinking, but man, we pulled it off, buddy, <laughs> and Joe Pertico at Holy Childhood, you know who you are. Uh, I have my SQF audit tomorrow. I stole your QA guy. I mean, borrowed, right? He's a consultant, but... Uh, Every time, every single time, you know, in my plant, something comes up. I look at Craig and I go, what would Joe do? <laughs> Joe's the, uh, for everyone who doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, Joe's the plant manager at uh, Special Touch Bakery. And uh, the, we, have the, 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 we have the same QA, quality assurance consultant. And uh, yeah, I'm always asking, what would Joe do? What would Joe do? All right, let's get into the podcast. Haven't even brought it up yet, what it is, who it is, but it's my boy AJ. AJ is one of the two brothers who owns the chain of Nantastic, beautiful, fast, casual Indian restaurants here in Rochester. I don't think it's going to be here in Rochester for long, though. This thing feels like a national chain waiting to burst onto the scene. We knew him before he was that guy, ladies and gentlemen. Please enjoy and get to know AJ Singh.
Okay. All right. So we're on. You're going to hold it right up to your mouth. This is uh, the reason I'm allowing this part on where I explain the the producer side of things is because this is an exclusive from what I understand. Oh, yeah. Is the mic on? I didn't even know. Looks good. Okay. So you want to hold the mic right up. Yeah. Get friendly right there. AJ, this is how often do you get interviewed? Not that often. I usually send my brother for interviews. (laughs) Right. So you're the lesser heard from uh, Sing Brother, right? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. We mostly he's the, he does a lot of uh, the talking part. But a lot of people know you though. Like I've I've noticed that uh, you know anytime I talk to anybody about you, people always go, "Oh, AJ!" Like they know AJ. They know you. I mean, you're you're very popular, even if you're not so outspoken. Um, yeah, basically, I handle all the uh, customer service related complaints or anything like that. So I'm always dealing with customers. Yeah, yeah. All through emails, through you know, uh, phones or yeah. whatever. So I what? do to communicate a lot with customers that way. I call you AJ, but what is your what is your actual birth name? It's actually Ajay. Ajay. Okay. A J A Y. A J A Y. Yeah, and for short, we just call it AJ. AJ, and then, and and your last name is Singh, right? Singh. I got there. And where where are you? Or are you born in America? No, I was born in India. You were born in India. And when did your father come over here? Because for anyone who doesn't know, your father is the founder of Tali of India. Yes. When did he come to this country? Uh, he came, I believe, in like 1991. Okay, so you were a child then. Yeah. Do you have a lot of memories from back home? Uh, somewhat. I was about nine, ten years old when I came here. Okay, all right. I came here in '97. Did you do you remember what that was like? Like, how was that communicated to you? Because that's not just moving. I mean, that's moving across the globe, really. At that point, that, I mean, some people will move, you know, from this place to that, maybe from one school district to another, and that's a big deal. Yeah. But you were moving across the globe. Like, what was the conversation like at home when when your mom and dad said? Oh, uh, well, moving? it was it was just exciting because uh, you know I didn't get to spend that much time with my father. He came abroad, um, and then it, there was always we knew that someday we'll go there. You know, it's just when the legal paperwork is approved. Oh, so he was coming. He was coming here before. You're saying? Or? Yeah, he was here way before us. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and so you guys, so you were missing your dad, basically. Yeah, basically. And you're like, oh, I want to. You know, we're gonna join him eventually. Right. Paperwork eventually goes through. Is that a a tough thing to get pushed through? I mean, is India like tough on that, or is it just a waiting game like anything else? I think it's just a waiting game. Yeah. Um, you know, back then I was just a kid, so I didn't know much. And when the news came, like, yeah, we were just excited. Yeah. What do you remember as being your first couple moments of culture shock of being in this country and being like, wow, that is very, very different than anything I've experienced? Um, I don't recall that much because I was a kid, you know, like nine right. years old. Right. And when I initially came in, I think it was the summertime. So we spent a lot of time with the family and then slowly just moved into um, middle school. Um and I actually didn't even know how to speak English at that time, so gradually picked it up and learned it in about a couple of years. I was going to ask that. So how, what was school like for the, the nine-year-old boy who doesn't know how to speak any English? Um, it was tough. It was I would a, think. It was a little <laughs> tough, but, uh, you know, not having anybody around us that knew our language uh, was, I think it was a plus point that it made me pick up the English language pretty quickly. And how many people are there in your family? There's, I know there's mom, dad, you, your brother. Um, my, basically me, my wife, you know, yeah. um, we have two kids, yeah. a boy and a girl and my uh, brother has, I'm talking about back when you first moved here. Like oh, who's the, yeah. What's the family at that I point? I was just me, my father, and then us two. And then, you, and your brother, is he younger than you or? Younger. His name is, uh, is it Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, 
so you guys weren't in the same grade, so it's not like you're able to kind of, were you going to school together or were you basically on your own? You're both learning this whole new culture at the same time. Kind of on our own. You know, he's two years uh, behind me. So yeah. I was two, I was in a two years up in a grade. Did you miss it ever? Were you ever in those first couple of years, were you so excited to be here or were there times where you were going like, I really miss home. I want to go home. I don't think I missed it that much, honestly. No. no. Was it was was there anything about it that was particularly negative? The experience of your the first part of your childhood living in India, or was it just that you were so excited to be here that you didn't miss it? I was just so excited to see here with a yeah. complete family. You know, miss my father a lot, so yeah. that's why I didn't miss it. And a lot of my friends and families also moved abroad. Okay, um, you know, after I did, it's kind of like that trend. So, uh, you know, some of my friends and relatives and family and that I used to hang out and play together, you know, some moved to Italy, some moved to Germany, some moved to New Zealand. So there's really not that many people back home to sure. go to. Yeah. When does Tali of India come around? Does he open that up right away or does he do something else or what, what does he do? Uh, no. So he, we opened Tali of India in 2001. So he's here for a while before that comes. So what did your father do for those, for, for that first decade before? He drove uh, the Lincoln car in New York city. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. And he always had a passion for cooking. He, he worked in different restaurants before, you know, uh, Italian restaurants, Indian restaurants. You know, he did that as a side job, too. So this was an opportunity that some uh, friend of his told him about it. And he's like, let's take a shot. Wait, so you guys first moved to New York City, then? New York City, yeah. New York City. And so he's he's driving. So he's a professional driver, and yeah. then he's also he's he's side hustling basically as a chef, right. as a cook, and he loves it. Yeah. How does the uh, jump from New York City to Rochester happen? Um, it basically happened after the nine eleven, mm. uh, when you know the business for the uh, yeah. the taxis kind of slowed down, and yeah, and that was kind of the time that you know Todd this restaurant was pretty much on sale and a friend that lived in Rochester actually gave him a call and say, Hey, I've got a, a restaurant that somebody wants to get out of. Are you looking? Was it a, it was previously an Indian restaurant? It or? was previously an Indian restaurant. Okay. All right. And so somebody goes, Hey, I know a guy yeah. who would be perfect for this gig. Yeah. And so your dad's like, look, I want to get out of New York city anyway. Right. Right. Can right. I ask you a tough, awkward question? Go ahead. Was it tough to be in New York city and look what you look like? In New York City after 9-11? After 9-11, it was a, uh, uh, a tough. Uh, even, you know, in, in the beginning, it was a little tough because uh, I come from a, a religion, Sikhism. Yeah. And uh, men don't cut their hairs. They keep their long hairs. Yeah. So I've had uh, issues even in school where, you know, I would just tie my hairs in a knot and people would think that I'm a girl. So yeah. a, lot, a lot of times I would have where I go to the bathroom and be like, hey, it's a boy's bathroom. What are you doing in here? Yeah. Um, yeah. And kids are cruel. Yeah. So. And then after 9-11, all, honestly, all Americans just, and I know that you don't curse or use bad language, but all Americans turned into complete assholes in regards to, you yeah, know. So actually, because when I came here and uh, like even and the kids nobody knew um who we were nobody knew our culture yeah. and we experienced a lot of hardship because of that the way yeah. you know i carry myself and uh i ended up cutting my hairs off did uh, you yeah a year <sighs> after that so after you know after that so i was just you know uh, i changed back when i was 18 years old in high school i'm so sorry i'm yeah. so sorry to hear that like that's no. just it's 
It's honestly, it is. Uh, that's a. Sh- it's a shameful thing. Yeah. What what happened? I mean, obviously, what happened is what happened with nine eleven. But the thing that happened after that, and the right. way that some Americans behaved towards people that look the way you look, is really, really shameful. Right. And I know that it's not my job to apologize, and I know that my apology probably doesn't mean anything to you. But that's unfair, and I'm really sorry that well, you've thank dealt you. with I that. I appreciate that in, in your life. That's life. Yeah. It's it's tough. But yeah. and let's go on to the happier stuff. Yeah. So your dad gets this call and it's this huge opportunity. Right. So like he's going to, so he comes up, he looks at it and he loves it. And he says, yes, let's do it. Yeah. And he um, comes home and announces again, guys, we're moving again. Yeah. So basically <laughs> he moved up here first, you know, just to kind of get his feet wet. Um, and then we moved in after a few weeks and we moved into actually the apartments right across from the restaurant. Yeah. Um, man, all, we all worked as a family, uh, basically picked the restaurant up, worked hard. Yeah. I remember the school bus used to drop me off right by, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's where we used to go, sit there, do our homework, and, and just help help each other out. Yeah, so you spent your teenage years and, and a lot of your 20s literally working at Tolly, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, was the staff early on, was the staff basically your mom, your dad, you, and your brother? Pretty was much. It, that was it, yeah. right off the bat? Right off the bat. That's so cool, though. That's yeah. like the that's the American dream story, though, that you really hope to hear about, right? Yeah. Did you guys, was it successful right from day one, or did you really have to work on it? No, we really had to work on it. That was part of the reason why the person wanted to sell it. Yeah. He was in a different profession, and uh, he you know, wasn't really able to handle that, the, the yeah. restaurant. So I think it was falling apart from him. Um and then we really had to work on it and bring pick it back up. What do you think it was that was it a combination of things or what was it that made it break through? Because I I'm not from here either. I I am from uh, Ohio and I moved to Rochester in 2007. And it felt like at that time Tolly was well very well established. You know, um, at least to, to my knowledge. Of course, you you know a million times better than I do. But it seemed like that at that time. Yeah. Um, what what do you think it was that helped you break through and become because i really do think tolly is regarded as like the indian restaurant in rochester right right so like what is it do you think that you just broke through for you guys was it one thing or was it just we did everything right and we did it right right for a long time um i think it was mainly um two things actually uh one my dad's cooking mm-hmm. um his experience in food and we love you know his food the quality the taste um, his style, the organic and spices that he used. So it was just cooking. It was just food was delicious. Yeah. And then number two, his service, mm-hmm. uh, which we learned from him, you know, customer service. So I think those two things slowly um, is what made it pick yeah. up. I've no- definitely noticed that about you guys. Obviously, the food is, is, is amazing. But also, you guys are very you are willing to take the minute to talk to any customer at any time. And I, right. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. It is cool the way you, to this day, what you do. So, all right. So let's go to, you are, how old are you now? Am I allowed to ask? 34. 34. Okay. So you're in your 20s and you're working at Tolly, right? Yeah. And at that time, are you 100% certain that you're going to stay in the restaurant business? Or are you thinking, I'm going to do something else with my Oh, life? no. I didn't want to stay in the restaurant business. No? <laughs> no. What did you want to do? Um, you know, I was in uh, high school, and when I come home, help out the family. Yeah. Um, By the way, he's an entrepreneur. and uh, Sorry about that. It's uh, the middle of the day right now on a Saturday, so I think the phone's going to ring a few times. Um, <laughs> I actually uh, started playing tennis a lot in high school, so I actually wanted to become a tennis player. Oh, cool. Um, Are you a pretty athletic guy? You're good? Yeah. Pretty good? I was pretty good. Uh, before I used to play in New York City, I did win uh, the Doubles Queens uh, Championship nice. over there. Nice. Uh, okay. Then I came here, started playing here, played JV, played varsity. Nice. And, what uh, school did you go to? 
uh, Rush Henrietta. Nice. Yeah. Okay. But then we kind of just uh, got busy with the restaurant life, you know. Yeah. Um, and that kind of slowly just tapered away. But then I went to college. I finished my master's in occupational therapy. Um, oh, so you went, you got your master's, so you were really going to go down that road. I mean, that's not, when you get a master's, you're not messing around anymore. Right, right. So occupational therapy was going to be where you were going to head. Yeah. And, and did, did you work in that at all? I did. I worked uh, almost a year. Okay. Uh, I actually got a job out in Texas. I wanted to move out of state away uh, from the cold. Yeah. Um, my brother had, was was there. He had a job over there. Uh, he used to work for Apple. Um and so I moved near him, and but I didn't like the. I was in a nursing home facility. I didn't like. It was kind of like saddening. Yeah. So you're you, because you you become because you have a big heart and you yeah. become friendly with them. Right, right, right. And they're not going to be around forever. Right. And that is that is pretty sad. My grandmother spent several years. She's yeah. passed now, but um, she would become. You know, they she would get a couple of friends, and then the friends would be gone, and then more friends, yeah. and then the friends would be gone. And right. Then one day it was her day to be gone, and that I can understand that that would wear on you after a while. Right, right. Um, your brother, is he a tech guy then? Um, it, he did his uh, business administration here at U of R. Cool. Um, so he worked for Dell and then he moved to uh, in Austin for Apple. But uh, then we kind of both just decided when we were there, like, hey, I don't really like my job. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too happy with mine either. Like, let's just open up our own business. And we knew food from the beginning. Yeah. So, but we're like, you know, we let's put a little twist to it. So, yeah, yeah. So this is my favorite. This is what I've been looking forward to for the whole interview. So the birth of Nantastic, because Nantastic is absolutely brilliant. Thank Fast, you. casual Indian food, high quality. Uh, I, I think you don't mind people saying the Chipotle of Indian food, right? Or do you hate that? Or no, we don't mind. You don't, but it, <laughs> it's the best way to, to communicate to someone what they're walking into when they're right, walking right. into Nantastic. Uh, bring me to the birth of the idea for Nantastic. Is it you and your brother sitting in Texas talking about what are we going to do? Yeah, uh, basically us. And then, you know, I moved there first and then my wife and my kids moved uh, over there but my daughter was really attached or is really attached to uh, my father to grandfather mm. and she really missed him when she moved oh. with us to Texas so yeah. she missed him so much that she got um, she got sick basically oh my god from missing him wow. so much so so we had to call grandfather back to Texas <laughs> like hey you got to come over here because she's she misses you too much. Oh, that is so sweet. So he came over just after a week, you know, spent a week there. And then we were like, because oh, dad's here, his restaurant's here. And he's like, I'm not ready to move yet, you know. Uh, and we're like, so that was kind of like the moment where, you know, we got to look at the family. You know, I don't want to just send my daughter home and my wife doesn't want to live without the daughter. So we're like, what are we going to do? Is like. All right, well, we don't like our jobs. We have a situation. Let's just go back and open something else, me and my brother together. And that's kind of what we decided. So did you guys have a series of brainstorm sessions about the concept? Because because you, you couldn't – well, because I have to imagine the logical move I'm – th I'm working all this out in my head right now. So yeah. I'm putting myself in your shoes. You've decided you're moving back to Rochester, and you've decided you're going to do food. You obviously – you know Indian food, right? Yeah. And, but you're, but the problem is your father already has an Indian restaurant and right. you don't want to become his competition. No. So you could do Tali 
the second tolly somewhere else right was that an idea at one point or no we want we knew we kind of wanted to just do something fast casual okay you know like we always go out to eat you know like chipotle moe's or here and there you know fast casual yeah like a lot of there's a lot of trucks in austin that you can kind of just grab and go kind of thing so you knew that that was the yeah yeah. we knew somewhat like that was kind of what we wanted to do and uh you know basically slowly we built up the idea as we came back to Rochester, sat down, sat down and brainstormed the idea. But um, after our conversation, you know, uh, my father left and my wife and my daughter left with them. I gave in my 30 days at my job right then. That's very, that's very uh, kind of you, 30 days, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, a long, that's a long time. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a nice company, though, I worked for. Um, yeah. So I wanted to just... How hard is that 30 days, like the last, when you know you're leaving and you, and all you're doing is thinking about at that point, fantastic, right? Yeah. So, but you still got to go to work for like three more right. weeks. So, so basically that was the month that we had to kind of, you know, get together Figure it all out. in Texas and sit yeah. down and brainstorm what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. And we're like, dad, why don't you go there and start looking for spots? We'll be there, there in four weeks, you know? Yeah. So he started yeah. looking around for spots and. How about the name Nantastic? Oh yeah, that, um. We didn't actually come up with it until we were in Rochester a few months after that. You know, there was a lot of different names that we were thinking of, and we kind of just stuck with that. That one just kind of stuck out. Do you remember any of the – I love hearing the almosts, like the names. It was almost called this or that. Um, w- there was one that I kind of liked was a phenomenon. Oh, yeah, phenomenon. phenomenon. Yeah. But <laughs> a couple of my friends like – Nobody's going to know how to spell that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) So that was the main reason why we left that um, name. And then I can't remember. We became a couple other names. And then I was just sitting in the sofa and I was like, fantastic, fantastic. And it just came up and I was like, text him like, hey, what about this name? He's like, yeah, Yeah. that sounds great. And And then did you do the thing where you like, when you've come up with a name for something where then you go to like check the trademark and you go to check the website and it's not nobody. Nobody And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're as fast as you can. You're like trying to buy the domain. It was was instant within those like 10, 15 minutes. I bought the domain. I actually went on trademark. Yeah, trademarked it. Yeah. 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 It's so funny because I've been in those 10 or 15 minutes before where you like, and then you get, and now all of a sudden you get it in your head that like someone else is doing this right now. And you're right, like, what, right. what if someone else thought of this right now? And you're like, I have to hurry up. Uh, the logo is great too. I love the logo. How did that come to be? Um, we, after, you know, after we got the name, then we kind of just brainstormed, um, hired like somebody online to kind of went back and forth a few times and just designed it. And then just eventually you were like, yep, that's yep, good. That's good. So, uh, so now how many Nantastics are there right now? Three. There's three of them, but you have plans to keep going. Yeah. Um, we, even beyond this area, I believe. I don't want to give away any of your plans, but. Yeah, right. we're basically working on franchise. It should be ready next year. Yeah. I mean, anybody who knows you can tell you're not, you're not, you're not you do not seem like a guy who's ever going to kick your feet up and say, all right, I'm good for a while. You know, like <laughs> you, you're probably going to drive and drive and drive right, right. for many, many years to come, it right. seems. Yes. Um, okay. So Nantastic gets up and going. And how about that? Was that immediately successful or did, or did you guys open the door and have to kind of go like, okay, now we got to get customers? No, it was, it was pretty successful. Great. You know, um, I think part of the reason was also uh, people knew and, you know, when we advertised that it's the owners of Tali of India basically. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of helped a lot because Tali has a good base in Rochester as well. So yeah. was there ever, ever any fear of, 
of what is the word that they use of uh, cannibal, like of cannibalizing your own audience? Was there ever any fear that you were becoming Tolly's competition, or was it like, no, we're a different thing? No, um, honestly, we don't even look at it that way. Even if we open the restaurant across the street, I mean. Customer goes to either or they're yeah. both coming to the same family. So yeah, exactly. We, we don't really have that. Exactly. Yeah. But some of your recipes are your mom's recipe, your dad's recipe, right? Oh some yeah. They're stuff. all my parents' recipes. Yeah. Is there anything on there that's a, that's a specific AJ or ramen uh, recipe? Uh, no, we, we just took their recipes and, um, yeah, that's no, awesome. Basically I, I knew, you know, my dad, we were in Tali for a few days working out the different recipes and I'm like, all right, dad, make this and do that. How do you do this? So That's show awesome. us that. So That's awesome. And then mom used to make stuff at home and we're like, all right, now let's write it down. <laughs> yeah, didn't you say, because isn't like tamarind is a huge pain, right? Like, yeah. didn't you say that she used to do all your tamarind or something? Yeah. Like, that would take forever or a- like that's a, that is, I'll tell you what though, that's a mom right there. Yeah. That's a mom. Mom yeah. will do anything for her baby. She used to <laughs> knock out a few batches every week for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. That's great. Okay. So Nantastic's up and running. It's doing good. And you're not done. You no. think to yourself, you go, you know what? I got a couple other ideas. So you venture beyond fast casual and you venture even outside of Indian food. Yeah. And what comes first? Sweet Mr. Rebel Pie? Rebel Pie. Okay. Rebel Pie, for anyone who doesn't know, is a pizza joint. Uh, how does Rebel Pie come to be? How do you decide? Because that is a, it's not a leap in the sense that it's still a restaurant. I don't know if pizza is considered fast casual. I guess pizza is its own category, but it's, there's a lot of synergies in terms of how to run a restaurant, but the, the menu, the palate, yeah. It's completely different. Whole new right, thing. Right, right. How does Rebel Pie come to be? Um, that's a good question. We've, you know, we've eaten at different, especially in Texas as well, at the different, those fast-paced pizza places. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we grew up in a restaurant. We're like, oh, yeah, this should be like this. This should be like, oh, what if they had a makni pizza? Or what if they had a slam? You know, it's like yeah. when we go out to eat something, like we're so used to our our food and me especially being a vegetarian is difficult when i go out to to eat um but we're always just like okay you know there's different places in um in austin that we went to like oh i wish they had like a makni pizza or i wish they had this kind of pizza and then uh, my brother was just like you know okay these are good up and running should we try a pizza you know you always wanted a makni pizza build your own kind of thing it's like yeah let's try it <laughs> so it was just kind of from there yeah and did it did that was that one successful right off the bat because yeah. not like this town is not short on pizza places so right right did, was it successful right off the bat or it did was, you have to work yeah, at that one no we're per, it yeah. was pretty successful we're pretty consistent um i think you know because we what we try to do is have that niche mm. of the different unique flavors so when we opened it up you know we had uh, the Indian flavors, we kept like the Italian, the, the, there's some Chinese, some uh, from basically different cultures, different countries. Cool. We kind of pulled them together and made it like a global uh, pizza. That's you know, awesome. Rebel Pie Global Pizza. Yeah. That's an awesome concept. That's yeah. an awesome idea because you're right. Those are some very unique. Right. Every pizza place is going to have your meat lovers, your your uh, right. your veggie. And you went, that is really a really, really cool concept. Yeah. Um, what about Sweet Mist then, the ice cream place? How does that one come to be? Um, we we basically, again, tried out different places. You know, when we were, we, we did a lot of uh, adventuring and eating out when I was in Austin, in Texas. 
you know, you see food trucks serving ice cream like this, and they use liquid nitrogen, but it just wasn't very efficient. So again, the way we are, we always like look at with a critical eye, like critique, like, oh, I mean, this is too slow. It's, he needs to be more efficient. Like when, even when I go out eat, their customer service isn't good. You know, mm-hmm. this is what needs to be. And then we kind of took all those things and included in ourselves that this is when we do it, this is what we need to make sure that the customer isn't experiencing is this when I, you know, stand on the customer side and go somewhere to order food. And we saw an ice cream place, uh, uh, a lot of you know, different places, the trucks serving ice cream. You have the, those, uh, ice cream that serve it on like, uh, that plate that they make it in front of you. Oh, like a cold stone. Yeah. 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 yeah there's a place called cold stone. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of places use that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. and also, you know, we just didn't find it efficient. It just takes too long to mm-hmm. prepare it. So we're like, how can we streamline this idea and just make fresh ice cream on the spot? So we kind of thought about that and came up with sweet mist. Sweet mist is really cool. I had the opportunity to be there few weeks ago or so and you're right you you make ice cream from scratch which is something that people are not used to seeing right um if anyone doesn't know sweet mist it's a really cool thing you guys literally pour cream right and then like the rest of the flavoring for that and you create ice cream right in front of your eyes right right and that is a really really unique and fascinating concept when you see it come to life and yeah. so congratulations and it, on that one. thank too. you well, you know it takes maybe about two minutes yeah, it takes two minutes, but but it's you know, but it's a show too. I mean, because yep. you get like this big cloud of it's not smoke, but whatever you know, it looks like that, and like liquid it, nitrogen, it becomes a yeah. show. Really, yeah. you yeah. know, people are fascinated. It's not like they're waiting around bored. Right, they're right, watching right. you do what you're doing. Yep. It's, it's really interesting. Um, being a vegetarian, let me ask you about that. Is that a, a health choice or a religious choice? Um, a little bit of both. Okay, so that's what I was wondering. Is the religious part of that? Mm-hmm. Is your whole family vegetarian? Um. Mostly, my father is not. Um, he kind of goes in and out, but it's a little difficult for him. But where I was heading with this is, how do you test your dishes when you're vegetarian? Well, my brother isn't. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so right. he'll test the non-veg okay. dishes right. for me. <laughs> All right, I got you. Because <laughs> I was going to say that is the one thing which is that can be a little difficult. Yeah. Like I guess is that you're gonna you serve a lot of meat dishes and yeah. you can't technically you can't really put your stamp of approval on those. I went vegetarian about ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. So you so you haven't been your whole life then. So did you uh, did you ever? Do you ever miss it, or are you like, no, I never even looked at it? No, I don't miss it that much. Um, well, I, I don't miss it at all, actually. Just and with the Indian food, there's just a lot of options for yeah. like, for vegetarians. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, how is it going right now? I know that you know restaurants are having a ta- hard time finding help. That's the big co- that's the big topic of conversation. It seems summer, spring, and summer of 2021 is we can't find help. Yeah, basically staffing is a huge issue at this point right yeah. now. Um, that's uh, pretty challenging. We're kind of working day in and day out. Uh, it's part of the reason why we um, basically uh, have sweet meats just open on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, difficult finding help. It's really frustrating too because you know, and I love talking to people like you because you you run your business. You are you are an entrepreneur that I look up to very much. You can't grow your business if you're working the line at Nantastic, yeah, right? Exactly. And that's yeah. the part that sometimes people don't, but then, but then, and help me work through this in my own head, because this is more of me just, I have this own, I have this problem myself. You can't grow your business if you're working at your business. You need to be working on your business. Right. But then there's also the other saying where it's like, you should be in the trenches with your people and you know anything you're asking them to do, you should do too. Yeah. 
what's the right answer between those two things? Because they are very contradictory pieces of advice, both of which I've been given. Um, so through our experience of the three years of basically opening, what happens is, you're right, we can't really be working on the line at every business if you want to expand. You know, If I'm working on the line at Henrietta, I'm there two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. Now I don't have time to monitor, let's say, the Buffalo location. That falls apart. Mm-hmm. All right, I got this set up, cruise hire, cruise train. Now I go over there, work there for two months. This place starts falling apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's challenging. Uh, so basically, it's 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 about dividing that time, or maybe just once a week I'll work here, work there. But it's mainly about being able to monitor them. Uh, the employees monitor your locations on a daily basis. Uh, and if you're just constantly working, working, you can't monitor your other store. Yeah, you're monitoring that one store you're in all the time, but then your other store starts falling apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, what did we miss? Did we talk about everything? I think so. What else? I can't believe you did an interview. This is really cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. We should say why I was able to corner you today because we're (laughs) we're caramelizing onions all day here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I appreciate you too. You've been great help as well to us. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to be there for you. I'm a fan of you guys. I think that you guys are awesome. I I look up to you and I think, uh, you know, there's a thing. I say it sometimes and I don't want it to come off bad, uh, but there is just a... When I know people who run small businesses and I know people who hustle, I just know that they have been through it, right? Yeah, and right. I and I can recognize that and I just know we share some of that. Do you know what I mean by like the emotional roller coaster? Oh, yeah, definitely. Running a business. Like, do you have that where some days you're just like, Nantastic isn't going to take over the world, and then other days where you're just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it all falls down to mainly, you know, when you're just in there and it's not being run the way it should be by right, right. the employees. Yes. And yes. You- get stressed yes i understand yeah. all right aj i guess we've got some onions in the kettle we should probably go check on <laughs> yeah, definitely right. all right thank you man thanks for doing this thank you appreciate it